Welcome to the Team Radical Podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to everything hunting and the great outdoors. If you guys love every aspect of hunting and the camaraderie that goes along with it, I promise you will love this podcast. Please make sure to leave us some positive reviews and those five stars. We appreciate it. Now, let's get to the show. Good afternoon, everyone. I am your host, Kyle Harmon, here at the Team Radical Podcast, and uh, super excited about today. We've got uh, Chris Walker going to be on here here shortly, and uh, he's got some really exciting new news. So, anyways, we're here at the end of July. It's going to be August here in just a few days, and we really want to catch you up to date on what we've been up to since the last time we talked with Joel and kind of t- fill you in what the team has been doing and some hit list bucks that we've been uh, watching and also some of the prep work we've been doing. I know July was super busy for us, but I think August is going to be even busier. So with no further ado, let's hop on the line now with Mr. Chris Walker. All right, we got Chris Walker on the phone. How are you, how are you tonight, Chris? Hey, Kyle, I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Well, um, you've got some exciting new news. Uh, tell me what's up. What'd you, what, uh, you have a new little baby boy, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we did. So Sydney and I had our first kid on, um, uh, see, July eighteenth at one in the morning. So oh, that was. Cow, I, uh, thought, I thought you almost forgot his birthday already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to think about it there for a second, but yeah, it was July eighteenth. Um, no, I just I was actually looking at the calendar in front of me. I couldn't believe it's twenty ninth already. Kind of threw me off, but um, yeah. So not even two weeks old yet, and. Uh, you know, we're getting some sleep, but not a ton of it right now. <laughs> yeah. You know how that's like, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember you saying it was a pretty scary experience, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're in the hospital. Uh, we got there at 10 a.m. on Saturday and continues in labor all day and um, ended up having to get a C-section kind of emergency type deal. And, uh, yeah, I don't really prepare you for that too much. It was uh, it was uh, a little scary, but uh, the baby's healthy, Sydney's healthy, and everyone's doing good now. So that's all that matters. But yeah, it was quite the experience. Right on. Yep, that's uh, definitely a game changer in the household. It's uh, a lot of getting used to it, a lot of adjusting for sure right away. Oh yeah, and you, yeah, and, and you, you and you, you think you think you're prepared until it actually happens, and then you're like, oh my. <laughs> Oh yeah, and you had two major um, early appearances on your two girls, so I can't even imagine you didn't even have time to really prepare to do anything. No, no, that was definitely hell on earth, but got through it, and I'm glad you guys are doing good. Glad uh, Weston is his name, right? Yep, Weston Walker. I I was giving Chris crap because they didn't name his middle name this, but I said they should have named him with an O initial. For the middle name because his initials would have literally been literally been wow <laughs> you know I, I was really kind of wanting to change that I thought it was pretty awesome after uh, you told me that but I couldn't convince Sydney and then we'd already told my dad that we were taking his middle name so uh, yeah it was a little late but man had it been early I might have been able to do something with that oh that's hilarious well, hey, man, I'm glad that's all going good, but today I want to kind of catch up and see what, uh, if you even have very much, but uh, preparations for this upcoming season. What have you been up to? Getting any hit listers on your cameras right now? Um, I believe you put up a blind or something here short 
not too long ago. So what have you been up to as far as that goes? Yeah, so I really – it's kind of crazy. I haven't had much time to uh, get out and do much in the woods, but thankfully my brother's been around to at least set up cameras and do a couple things at the farm. But um, So we ended up picking up another uh, joining 20 acres this year, and, you know, we really didn't have time uh, to get it all set up for food plots this spring. And I don't know that we're going to get a chance to really do uh, that much with it this fall, just with uh, me being busy with the baby and my brother having two kids and just kind of, uh, you know, a lot to do right now. So um, I was able to go to the farm yesterday and we ended up ordering a 360 blind several months ago, finally got it out there and got it set up and pretty excited about that. But um, I put a couple more revealed trail cameras out yesterday and we're starting to see some good bucks on there. So that's about all I've done so far. What about you? Well, you've, you've got a pretty good hit lister on there, don't you? On one of your cameras right now? Yeah. So, um, there's been this, uh, kind of a freak buck. He's had a fort side the last, I think two or three years and, uh, estimated this year to be at least eight years old. And he is an absolute monster this year. He uh, he kind of grew out of his fork a little bit on his right side. Um, he's got like three points uh, on his G2. And just really a freak. But his body, once you see it for this time of year, it is just really, really impressive. He's got a huge belly on him. And uh, I'm hoping to catch up with him. I would probably think, I don't know, what do you think? He's probably in the 170 area. I mean, he's. He's right around there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell with velvet and everything, but what's crazy to me is you said you think that buck is like eight and a half years old this year, right? Yeah, at least. Okay. At least. Okay. Minimum. And, and this is by far his biggest rack. Am I right? Yep. So that that's just crazy to me, you know, because I know every deer is different and everything, but it's, it's incredible because everybody has always said, you know, the older they get, man, they go downhill. And, uh, you know, they don't grow as big a rack and such. But here's an eight-and-a-half-plus-year-old buck with his biggest rack. And Uno was kind of the same case, I mean, close to that age, and had his biggest rack, if not, you know, tied with the second biggest rack he's ever had. So I just think that's crazy, and uh, I'm starting to see a lot more of that, it seems like. Yeah, it is, it is wild. One, one thing with this buck, though, is since – it's kind of on a it's on a different farm further down the road, so I didn't get access to that until I think 2018. And once we started getting pictures of the, him there, he was already I mean just huge body. And uh, one of our buddies that hunts uh, not too far away, he has had several years of pictures of this deer too. So I might need to reach out to him see if he has an idea on how old he is. But I don't know if you know there's a chance that he could have been bigger before he maybe got shot or had an injury um, to cause that fork on that one side. But, you know, I, I don't know how old he is, but I remember in 2018, we have pictures of him from then on and he was just a huge body deer and always had his left side was really good then. So um, no telling what he is, but this year he's definitely a shooter and he's uh, number one on the hit list right now. So tell me, you have a cool name for this buck? Um, no, I I don't. I uh, well, we he's need to get one. one I, 
one-eyed freak and then uh max's son started calling him rudy which i later found out that i guess he calls all the bucks rudy now so (laughs) (laughs) so i i don't know i don't have a name for him i'm getting so bad at uh naming deer and stuff i i keep seeing these deer as uh we're getting uh sell pictures this year. I'm like, okay, that deer looks familiar. I'm trying to remember what was his name again? What did we call him? Yeah. And I just, anymore, I can't keep track. So I know uh, I'm in the same boat, but something that unique of a deer, you know, I would certainly have a name for some, for a buck that I could definitely tell apart from the others. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah. He, so we're going to have to have our listeners or someone on Facebook or something come up with some ideas for a name, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, they can go for it. I, I don't really want to spend the time and rack my brain trying to figure a name out for him. So for sure. That's, hey. why, that's why little kids come in handy then. They're like, oh, that's, that's Rudy. Right. That's right. <laughs> like, okay, you got it. Yeah. My, my daughter names him Pete. Yeah, yep. see, they all have their go-to name. Yeah, I know it, short and sweet. But uh, no, that's that is an incredible buck, and we'll post some pictures of that deer uh, coming soon for sure. And hopefully, you guys could help us out with the name on that. But uh, one thing you were talking about earlier, you were talking about food plots, and uh, you weren't going to be able to get any in because of the baby and everything in the spring, and then kind of the same thing for the fall, but. It kind of, I want to put it in perspective for a lot of people because everybody thinks that when you plant a food plot, you just automatically you're going to kill something over it, which we both know is not true. But uh, the amount of work that goes into actually getting a food plot prepped and having a nice food plot, it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of work. And with this new property, I mean, you know, there's CRP that you have to look into, figure out when that expires, what uh, percentage you can put in the food plot and just all that stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, with this being a new purchase, I just, I, we haven't had the time to dig into all that. There is a, a little clover plot up there, but the other thing that's unique is uh, this uh, field that surrounds it, which is giant and goes on forever probably 400 acres but the farmer does cover crops so essentially that whole thing's going to be a food plot so really just doing the food plot works not high on my list this year i mean I've, we have probably two acres we could do uh beans or a fall plot on at some point but i just know that we're uh, still going to have good hunts with or without that food plot this year and i just don't have time for it yeah that's awesome that your farmer's doing uh or the farmer next door is doing cover crop i mean a lot of farmers don't do that. I know our farmer does that as well, and you know it 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 uh, it draws them away from your food plots hundred percent. But at the same time, you're impacting you know herd health. You're giving those deer something to munch on throughout the entire year. So, and it can take some relieve some pressure definitely off of your plot as well. So that's not a bad thing, and it's good for the soil health. It's it's good all the way around, and uh, I'm really happy that at least that our farmer does it. So. Um, oh yeah and it, it'll suck in a lot of deer from the surrounding areas there's not food around there they'll find that yep and a lot of times you'll find sheds in it you know late um, late february early march whatever oh yeah so right on well anything else new really i mean you got that one hit lister but uh i, I feel like you've had a couple others but i'm not positive um, yeah yeah we had um we have several uh good bucks from last year that are showing up a lot of split g2 genetics i want to say there's 
at least four bucks right now. Uh, we're getting pictures of regularly that all have split G2s, which is kind of funny because at first we're kind of thinking of the same deer, and then the points developed by, oh, nope, that's a different one. That's another one. A lot, um, a lot of them are bucks we recognize, though, and uh, one of them, I don't know, you and Jake and I were going back and forth. I think he's either uh, five or five or six this year, and uh, I don't know that he's really going to blow up to what I had hoped. So um, if, he's, if he's at least five-year-old this year, uh, you know, like I think, then we'll probably add him to the hit list this year. Right on, right on. Well, it should be a good season, I'm sure, for you, and you usually have some pretty good encounters early season, and I'm kind of curious as to why um, you have you have a lot of good encounters or luck in the early season. Is it because of the cover crops, you think, or what What exactly is it in your area that makes it a good early season spot? <laughs> that is a great question. Uh, well, the last couple of years, Opening day has been really, really good for my brother and I. I want to say we're going on like the past three years and uh, nothing really uh, specific. Um, it's kind of weird. I mean, Max got uh, lucky and uh, shot a buck. I don't even think we had a trail. We knew of him, but didn't have a trail picture of him that entire summer. And he ended up shooting him like the first 45 minutes of uh, uh, shooting light on opening day. And then, um, you know, I can think back two years ago, I had an encounter with a good buck. I decided not to shoot him, but, um, you know, last year I had my number one target buck at 72 yards. And, uh, the buck that I'm after this year, the freak one without a name, he was actually, uh, probably 150 yards away from me on the other side of the tree line, um, on opening day too. And the, I, I guess it really kind of depends on the weather, but, um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, either be on a, a clover plot or out in these uh, hay fields that have uh, grass and clover. Because what I've noticed, they you know, I like to come out and feed on that for a little bit before working their way into the bean field or uh, whatever else they're eating. Um, so that's kind of how I, I've been uh, setting up the last couple of years. And I've had some really good hunts on opening day or those first couple of days. Yeah, so sitting you're, on, you're, uh, you're, on, you're on greens then for the most part. Yep. And uh, yep. so, question: All you, you, the bucks that you're getting on uh, camera now, your velvet bucks, obviously they'll shed their antlers. You know, end of August, beginning of September, whatnot. Um, do you find that those bucks make a big shift or a small shift from where you're getting pictures of them now to where you'll get pictures of them, say, beginning of season? They make a pretty. I would say they make a pretty big shift. Like how, um, how, give me a, a an estimate on distance wise. Um, I would say at least a half mile. Half mile. And I mean, yeah. Well, I know those deer are going further, but I would say from their home range, um, to when season starts, I'll be getting different bucks at least half mile a mile away. Okay. So those deer right now that you're seeing, are you finding them on? Uh, just soybeans or greens or stay on the edge of cornfields or where are you at? Yeah, pretty much all on the edge. Uh, so either on the edge of a bean field, corn field, um, hay field going into either one of those ag fields. Um, but you know, we, we have some in the woods too, but, uh, yeah, definitely the edge of the fields have been the hot spots. Right on, right on. You yeah. can get a lot of pictures of them coming and going out of the cornfields right now. Really? Yeah. A lot, of, a lot on the corn. 
Yeah, I've uh, it's always been interesting, you know, because obviously you drive around the bean fields and you see a bunch of uh, bucks, you know, throughout the summer months. But a lot of people don't focus on those cornfields, and uh, they can definitely be really, really good. I know one spot we've got that when it's in corn, so we've got like a big grassway on the edge of this cornfield, and it's it's completely bare, basically a quarter acre where this drainage goes through. And that is a fantastic spot to get a picture of a, of a big buck there. Um, because That's not where we sat up trying to get pictures of Uno, is it? No, that's a different spot. But Uno is the same way. I mean, he um, he hugged a cornfield. I mean, he was always right on the edge of a cornfield. And he would use that as cover to get into the bean field. I mean, because where Uno summered was just ridiculous. Just an itty-bitty-bitty uh, timber lot um, that had a cornfield on one side and a bean field on the other side. And he would come out you know, we'd have the crop rotation every year, but he would come out on the cornfield side and would travel that edge to get to where he wanted to cross over into the beans. Um, and it was just so hard. And I know we sat out there and tried a couple times to get video of him, but didn't work out. Got some really cool trail camera pictures and videos of him, but that was about it. And Man, I don't know if you've noticed this year, but the mosquitoes have been out of this world. Um, yeah, I've never seen them this bad because typically I like to go out and sit. I'll locate, key in on uh, some specific bucks, and uh, I'll watch them do it a couple times where they come out, and then I will go set up shop, you know, within 50, 60 yards of them and get some good video and pictures and stuff. But this year I've just not done it, and I don't know if I'm going to because, I mean, just when you stop for five seconds – trying to go down there or wherever you're at take pictures or video it's a complete swarm of mosquitoes and i'm it don't matter if you have off on thermocell it does not matter they are just covering me and yeah i uh i don't i don't need to get it that bad you know i'll just sit in the pickup truck roll down the window when i need to take the picture <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's just it's been super humid this year and we have uh, got a lot of rain and then it gets super hot and it'll and just get more rain a couple days later, it seems like. Yep, for sure. I know I know. it took us forever to get this blind up because we had to cross creek, and heck, uh, we didn't get so much rain in that area. We just had to wait it out. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and I think you guys picked, like, the hottest day of the year to put that up, right? Yeah, I about had a heat stroke. It was real fun, let me tell you about it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It sucked, but... That's no it's fun. I've got to put actually one of them up uh, a 360 on Monday or Tuesday, but I waited on purpose because we've got about a 15, 20 degree temperature drop. Next week is supposed to be real nice, high of like 80, I think. So um, hopefully everything goes smooth putting that together. But uh, those 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 blinds can be a pain to put together sometimes, but they are by far the best blind I've sat in. Yeah, they're, they're truly awesome. I mean, especially for bow hunting out of blind, too. Yep. One one recommendation I will give you on that, what I did on all my 360s, I bought uh, tablecloth covers, solid black. Yeah. And um, they're super cheap. Get them on Amazon, whatever. But you're going to need to black out um, your windows. So if you think the deer are going to come in front of you in the front side of the blind, black out the back ones. 
And then if you have one come on the back side of the blind, you got a quick access where you can hurry up and drop those for the front ones. Uh, because one thing I noticed last year was, and especially for filming, you know, it's different when you're filming versus just hunting. But when you're filming, you really need those windows open so you can get good video and not cause any issues. But uh, when you have those windows open, those deer are on full alert. I I don't know why, but, man, they do not like it. I don't know if it's because it, it uh, consumes so much light having so many windows on those 360s or what the deal is. But uh, before I had those uh, blackout panels on there, those deer were, I mean, they were on full alert if I had a window open. So I uh, I put those bed sheets, you know, I just I cut pieces and, and made them where they can roll up real quick. Um, so something just to think about for that blind. Yeah, I want to, I want to check it out. I wish I had more time to do some velvet film and see how it goes and get comfortable with it. But yeah, that is definitely a good tip. I'll have to give that a try. Yeah, so you just you just measure each panel and uh, cut a sheet for that, and then uh, make it where you've got little hooks on the top of the roof, basically. So instead of rolling it up, you just literally hook up, hook up, or drop down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So the blinds, as far as blinds go, I know I've got five or six of them. I'm gonna have to go put the covers on here before long. Um, just because I know my August is so busy. And then uh, September, Jake and I would go out to South Dakota for a whitetail slash muley hunt. And uh, oh, yeah. it, it won't it won't be long, and uh, it'll be deer season here. So we've got uh, a lot of things going on in August. I'm, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it or not. It's kind of too jam-packed, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that hunt will be here before you know it. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I've... Uh, I just uh, recently did a new plot. So you were talking about CRP a little bit ago, and uh, mm-hmm. we bought a new piece of ground. Oh, it's about eight miles from my house, I'd say. And uh, <clears throat> it's got about 40 or 50 acres of CRP that's in one big block, basically. And uh, I hunted it last year, and I found this perfect tree. It's actually a, um, a buckeye tree. <clears throat> and it's got basically <clears throat> six different trees that come out of this, out of the out of the root, you know. And I've got that lone wolf tucked in there, perfect, um, totally secluded and everything. And last year I mowed burn breaks and all that good stuff. That's about all the time I had. By the time we closed on the ground, I wasn't able to put any any plots in or anything like that. But <clears throat> I was able to get um, a food plot in there this year. So. The way I designed it, I, I guess, first of all, I'll tell you why the spot is so appealing to me. Um, hang on just a second here. I need a cough. <clears throat> but uh, this, the spot location actually has a creek literally on the backside of this tree. And it's probably, I don't know, eight foot deep or so um, off the bank. And then behind on the back, on the other side of that creek is a straight up and down bluff that's probably... I don't know, 50 feet tall or something like that. And, I mean, when I say straight up and down, there's no vegetation on it. Nothing's walking down it. It's just, it's almost more than vertical, if that makes sense. Like, it almost, the top actually comes over more than vertical. Wow. So, the deer can't come down that way or get behind me there. They have to go further down the ridge to cross the creek to come 
to come out into the CRP or they have to get in the creek and then walk the creek down to get behind me. <clears throat> so this allows me to access it really good and it also allows me to exit it really good. So this year I decided to put a new uh, food plot in. I'm allowed to put a small plot in and it comes to about a quarter of an acre. And what I've done is out in front of the stand, I've created a teardrop food plot. So basically it starts out narrow at the tree stand and makes the teardrop out. And it's about, I think, I think end to end it's like 44 yards, I think, to the very outer edge of it. Um, but I mowed that and then I waited like a couple weeks, came back, sprayed, killed everything. And then here shortly, I'm going to go ahead and work the ground. And then I'm going to come back and work it again right before I actually plant it. So the day that I work it again, I'm going to go in there and broadcast uh, some harvest salad in there. So basically last year when I hunted it, I saw tons of bucks, tons of deer all the time, but nothing ever narrowed them down to my location. So now my goal and hope is that these deer, when they're running around that CRP, you know, they're going to come grab a quick bite to eat. Just something to, you know, bring them to that actual spot location. And uh, right. I'm, I'm super excited about that spot. I mean, it's it's almost bulletproof as far as not getting busted by um, any wind that has a westerly wind in it. It's perfect. Um, and, you know, that wind is coming across that whole flat of the CRP, and uh, it's it's just a really fun hunt. You know, you can sit up there and just see forever. And uh, I'm, I'm excited that I got something there now that is hopefully going to stop them there. Plus, I have a scrape um, that's a, a big white pine scrape, and I had several really good bucks on that scrape last year. So between those two things, I think it's going to be a dynamite spot for sure this year. Yeah, it sounds pretty promising. I love those types of spots where you just have confidence just going to those particular sets just because of the way they're set up. Yep, yep. And what I did last year and I'll be doing again this year is I uh, <clears throat> drive my e-bike to the uh, to the creek and then hop in the creek and then walk that down to the stand. So works out really you're well. You're not hopping those. You're not hopping those creeks like Justin ramps uh, on his no, e-bike. No, no, I'm not. Not at all. But speaking Didn't of e-bike. Didn't know if you had a ramp across it or what? No, no, no. I just drive to it and then I walk down it. <laughs> yeah, that's as far as that goes. But uh, speaking of e-bikes, you've got a new e-bike this year because you placed in the, is it the Quest Hunt, whatever it is? What is it? Yeah, Hunt Quest Tournament. Or yeah, Quest Hunt Tournament. Yeah, we got Justin. I got third place in it, so we got uh, the Quiet Cat bike. So that's going to be a whole new experience for me this year, and uh, I think it's going to come in pretty handy. Yeah, you're going to fall in love. Which but, actually, I haven't even really asked you or talked to anyone about this, but um, you know, how uh, have you found uh, any negative aspects to like parking your bike right next to the tree you're hunting in or the blind you're hunting in? How close do you park? No, I actually will drive it right to the tree a lot of times and park it. Um, if Obviously, if there's a brushy spot real close by, I'll lay it down in that. But, uh, no, I, I like to park it as close as I possibly can um, to the actual stand. Now, if it's a wide open spot where, you know, you don't have any brush or uh, vegetation to cover it up, yeah, then I might park it a little bit further away. But 
What I noticed on the e-bike last year was a true freaking game changer because of several things. One, you're not leaving that ground scent as you are walking. So the other part about that is when you drive, so when you drive that e-bike past a deer that's bedded down or standing up, they might freak out a little bit. But what I noticed is they really didn't care. They just kind of went on alert for a second, and before you know it, you're already past them. And the same thing with your wind. You know, when you're walking in or from your stand, it's taking you a lot longer to walk past that deer. You know what I mean? And um, that wind will, if they're on the downwind side of you, they're going to smell you right away, and they'll be in the next county. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I've heard the similar or similar um things echoed from my neighbor he basically said when he's on it deer kind of just stand there and look at you as you cruise on by yeah it's almost like it's not quite as good as a tractor but it's darn near as far as you know not spooking the deer and uh it that that is huge i mean plus i can carry all my stuff if i gotta um hang a new set or something like that i built a rack for the back of mine uh welded one together put it on and uh, I can carry a lone wolf with a set of sticks plus my bow and drive right in. Um, I actually just bought a second one for Jen because that was going to be an issue this year because she wants to hunt more. Is If if I ride an e-bike, that means she's going to have to walk or vice versa. So I ended, up, <laughs> I ended up getting her one now. So now we'll both be uh, riding our Harleys to the stand. But What kind did you get her? Uh, exact same one that I've got. I've got a hardcore e-cycle. It's a 2000 watt. I don't know which specific one it's called, but that's what, um, that's what I've got. And that's exactly what she's getting to. So, um, one thing for the e-bike I will, I am doing this year and you might consider it too, is that, um, so if you got like a bean stubble field or something and you try driving your bike across that, it sounds like popcorn popping. I mean, it's so loud. Um, oh, yeah. So what I'm doing this year is I'm actually taking a Colt to Packer, and, I mean, you can use a lawn roller, whatever you've got, but I'm actually, after they pick everything, I'm actually going to roll that down um, a good path, you know, everywhere that I think I might ride. So that way I don't have that popping sound going to or from the stand. But uh, I'm going to do that on the bean fields and i'm also going to do that on on the edge of the crp fields because a lot of the crp fields you know you mow around them and you got some of those small little tree branches or whatever so i'm just going to roll yeah. that over real good so i got a good path and yeah ride my bike and uh man it was a game changer last year i'm not saying i'm lazy or anything like that but i truly think that is a game changer because you can just get past those deer so quick and uh, they don't really care about that bike at all. I mean. Yeah, they see you, then you're gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't had any you're, issues yet, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to try it out. I need. I still need to get, like, a bike rack for my truck for it. I think that's what I'm going to go with. But um, Yeah, and you can get so. different uh, uh, systems for your bow holder. I know I've tried two different ones. I think I tried one from Copeland first, and then the other one, I can't remember the name, but the Copeland one didn't work it because, um, well, first of all, it doesn't have anything to really hold it into the actual U-bracket other than just a little bitty rubber strap, 
and my bow didn't fit very good in that at all. So I bought the, uh, they're actually ratcheting claws. So the claw actually ratchets, ratchets shut, and then you press a little button to release it, and then that'll let out your bow or whatever you got in there. So, uh, and they're and they're twice as big as the first pair I had. So, um, yeah, and you have to send me those because I don't have a bow holder, and yet to figure out how I was going to get the bow. Yeah, and on there. The only bad part about the hardcore, I don't know if the quiet cats like it or not, but um, I could not get them to mount on the handlebars up front. Um, just because of the curvature of the handlebars and everything. So mm-hmm. um, when I built my bike rack for the back, <clears throat> it's just a big square uh, rack. I actually mounted it onto that, and it's worked well. The only bad part is the throw-up of the mud gets you all dirty and everything and get your bow dirty and all that. So the way I've... Oh, uh, you didn't get mud guards for the, for the yeah, back wheel? No, no, no. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a fender on it. Don't Yeah, but that's not near enough. Um, gotcha. when you get in water or wet mud or anything like that, I mean, it throws <laughs> it everywhere. So the way I solved that for this year is I took uh, some old rubber belting we've got and I just cut it out and lay it on there and zip tie it to that rack. So now it's like an extra wide, big, uh, fender cover, I guess. So I shouldn't get my bow shouldn't get all dirty or my back or anything like that. So I should be clear for that this year. Okay. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. The other option I was thinking is just wearing my backpack with got a bow carry on it and doing it that way. But, you know, you still got to kind of plan or figure out the best way if you're to get an accident or crash. You know, you don't want your arrows sticking you. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the only bad part I found about that is with the backpack, when it's attached to your back and you're bouncing all around, like, it's, you know, it's moving on your backpack back and forth and all that. And I just didn't like that. And your sights right up against your back. I didn't like doing that. So that's why I went this method. And I mean, when these claws shut, I'm telling you, Chris, like it's locked tight. I mean, that bow is not moving at all. Um, it's, it's, have you found like it gets bounced around a lot since it's on that back wheel? What's that? Do you, do you find that, or do you think your bow's getting uh, bounced around uh, pretty good with it being mounted like that on the back wheel? Well, I mean it's 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 bouncing with the bike, if that makes sense. So it's, yeah, it's not it's not rubbing or moving. It it's it's attached, and I mean the sight isn't going to get bumped because it's not touching anything. Um, so it, I've just found it to be better than. Um, having it on my back. I just, uh, I tried it both ways. I just did not like it on my back. But, uh, gotcha. so yeah, uh, if you guys, uh, want to check out some e-bikes, I highly recommend it because they are game changers. And I know you've got a little one now and I've got a couple little ones and it's, it's a time saver too. I mean, used to, when I had to walk 800 yards or whatever to the tree stand, you know, that takes time there and back and, um, time is always of the essence and man, 800 yards on e-bike is like about as quick as you can snap your fingers, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you can definitely move around. I've been cruising around the parks in the neighborhood online just, and yeah, it cooks. Yep. And the only other recommendation I got for that is make sure you get a bike rack for the back of your vehicle or your side by side. 
because after you throw it in the back of your truck 60, 70 times, uh, it, it uh, definitely wears you out because they are not light. I mean, I don't know what mine weighs, probably 80 or 100 pounds or more than that maybe. I don't know. But uh, it's not light, and it's not easy to just uh, throw it in the back, plus you take a chance of breaking stuff. So I've got a bike rack, oh, yeah. bike rack that goes right into the back of the reese hitch on my truck or my side-by-side and can haul two bikes. But, um, yeah, so. I'm actually about to order one right now because this one I've been wanting has been on back order forever, and uh, its estimated availability is now September 8th. So that's gotten it close. So I'm going to get on this and order one because I want to use this October 1st as soon as possible. For sure, for sure. Yeah, because it seems like everything, man. Anything you try buying right now, it seems like it's on back order or you can't get it. Or I know we're having some serious trouble with the, the reveal trail cameras this year. Um, and I still don't have a confirmed date on when we will get them, um, the new the new ones, because of, uh, I don't know if it's the micro trip or, or what it was. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to be cutting it close on those trail cameras and not real happy about that, but what can you do? You know, it's out of our hands. Yeah, it it is so hard to get stuff ordered right now. I mean, anything good at least. <laughs> For sure. Well, I've been uh, driving around about every night or or every other night looking for deer, with especially with my two little girls and my wife, Jen. And uh, we have found some uh, good bucks. And a couple of them that are definitely ones that we remember from last year and years past. Um, So that's exciting. However, I don't typically get trail camera stuff much until like middle August, late August, right before they're getting ready to shed uh, when they make their transition to their um, fall range, I guess. And uh, so that's why I'm forced to basically drive around a lot of the times and – you know, take pictures from the truck or whatnot, but uh, definitely have found some good ones, and I know some of the guys on the team <clears throat> have found some really good bucks as well. So I think this year is shaping up to be a pretty good year, and we've been pretty wet here with rain and everything. So I think oh, yeah. they've had a fantastic growing season this year. So uh, really looking forward to this season, and and hopefully yeah, this whole COVID crap, hopefully this whole COVID crap stays out of here because. I'm sure you've been seeing, you know, they're they're trying to make the mask mandate again. I guess they found another variant of COVID, and it's just been wild. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Did you guys have very many restrictions in the hospital when you had your little one? Um, wasn't as bad as I thought, but, uh, you know, I was also wanting to get the heck out of there because I was hearing that they were running – very low on available beds for people with COVID. So there's obviously a growing number of, uh, you know, hospitalizations there. So I was wanting to get out of there as quickly as possible. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. It's supposedly ramping back up again. And, uh, I sure hope not, man, that's going to suck. I'm, I'm over last year. I don't know about you. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. So, uh, you've been practicing with your bow at all, or have you been um, able to shoot much? 
Actually, I haven't even shot since we uh, went to the Total Archery Challenge. Um, you know, you and I have been going back and forth, discussing arrows a little bit. So I am going to order some new arrows pretty soon. Um, I'm not really sure what I want to get yet, but basically my uh, deer hunting arrow that I've been using the past two years now was an arrow that Kyle and I set up for elk hunting, and I was shooting a fixed blade and kind of liked them, so I just kept uh, using those, and they've been great. Uh, they're the Gold Tip Hunter Pro arrows, and anyways, I want to shed some weight, um, so we had the 100 grain inserts up front. I think I want to shave that down to 50, so I'm looking to still have some good FOC and an arrow between 450 to 475 grain, um, but, you know, kind of a little faster for whitetails, so I'm going to get those uh ordered and set up and then i'm gonna start practicing as much as possible yeah what about you i know you got most awesome archery range right out your back door so i'm sure you're shooting every day yeah i've been shooting uh quite a bit and uh my back porch is elevated so i uh decided to buy some more arrows so i didn't have to go down there after every six group arrows and pull arrows i've got like 20 arrows now but i'm shooting the um black eagle spartans this year 300 um spine and my total weight i think is like 425 i believe and uh i've been really happy with how they've been grouping and um i think they're going to be a fantastic arrow and everything i read about them they seem really good as well um and i will be shooting for for whitetail i'll be shooting the uh g5 mega meat this year and uh, I know we can get into the whole expandable versus fixed blade broadhead debate. But, um, man, I've shot so many deer with both fixed blade and mechanical. And uh, I can honestly say I think both have equal perks as well as um, downsides, you know, to fixed versus uh, mechanical. How do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I I feel the same. And I mean, uh, you know, another reason why I want to get some different arrows is because I want to shoot the Mega Meats as well. Um, you know, I can speak for both of us here, but you and I both have had incredible results with the G5 Striker V2 on Whitetails and on Elk, and then also with Mega Meats on Whitetails. And um, I will have both uh, broadheads in my quiver this year. But I'm leaning towards wanting to shoot the mega meats more, just because for whitetails they put a bigger hole in them. Yeah, and I think uh, it, it's crazy to me when I think about it. I mean, when I first started hunting, and even the first ten years, you know, not many people, at least I didn't know, you know, really put that much emphasis into your arrow selection and and all that good stuff. But it seems like that's the craze now. Everybody's talking about heavier arrows, you know, fixed blade only. And I think it's just uh, a matter of preference. I, I mean, speaking for me, I've shot a lot of deer, does, bucks, you name it, with both broadheads. And uh, like I said, I've had failures on both, in my opinion, and I've had success with both. Um, I can't really say one outweighs the other, in my true opinion. Um, like I said, it's... The, you're expandable, you're going to get that bigger hole, and, you know, a deer's not that big of a body of an animal in comparison to, say, an elk, and um, 
there's no doubt when I'm big game hunting or for elk, I'm going to be using a fixed blade um, with a heavier arrow. Uh, just a lot more to go through, you know, on an elk versus a whitetail. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we shot both of our elks with the V2s. Um, I've actually shot my last two elk with the V2s, and they uh, they performed flawless. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to trying out the Mega Meats this year. Uh, I think they're going to do awesome. They fly great. Um, I, I'm really interested in trying out this new arrow because uh, the, it's it's a weird-sized arrow, the Black, uh, the Black Eagle Spartan. It uh, actually tapers down. Um, so I'm excited to try it. I think it's going to be strong and durable. Like I said, I've read a bunch on it, and I think it's going to do well. But, um, yeah. Now, when you say it tapers down, are you referring to the actual arrow or the outsert? Yeah, it actually tapers down. So the uh, your it's not a micro diameter, and it's not your your bigger shafts either. It uh, so a lot of the micro diameters on the end of your shaft, you have to have a a collar, you know, basically for the front of that arrow or arrows that we used to have did at least, and that's all fine and dandy. But man, when you try to target practice with those, I'm sure you experienced it. Trying to pull those arrows out is insane. Um, yeah, it, it is a complete pain in the butt. So with these, it actually, um, with your, your outsert or whatever on the end of it, when you screw in, it actually tapers to your field point or your broadhead, whatever. And it's, it's a, it's not a micro diameter, but it's not, you know, your, your, uh, gold tip pro hunter 300s either. It's, it's right in between those two sizes. Um, so a little bit smaller diameter than those gold tips, which I have those arrows too. And it would probably be about a five millimeter. Yeah, I think uh, I got to remember what the size was. I think it's a point. I think it's a don't hold me to this, but I think it's a point two two four is what it is. Yeah. And I think yep. the gold tips is a point two four six. And then your, yep, your, mi- your micro diameters are like a point two one six or something like that, I think. So it's right in between both of them. Um, so it's still a little bit smaller than those gold tips. But um, it, so that little bit, I think, is going to give it more speed and velocity going through the actual animal versus a, a heavier or a bigger shaft. So I don't know. We're going to see. I'm trying them out for the first time. I know you didn't want to try them out because you said the graphics look hideous on the arrow, <laughs> which they absolutely do. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's whoever thought that was a good idea is insane. Um I know. I, I seriously kind of want to just email someone to be like, hey, uh, your arrows look awesome, but uh, can we get a graphic update? Yeah. What is <laughs> or like, can we buy some blanks? Yeah, it's like eight uh, inches of god-awful-looking graphics on, on this uh, shaft of this arrow. But as long You as know, it- that, that's part of, this, part of the thing is, uh, you know, you go the extra mile to get your bow uh, accessorized and you pick out the limbs and what color you want. It looks awesome. And then you get some flamer arrows and throw it on there. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. what? what the hell? Yeah, I know. I can't do it. I know. I know. I, I guess some people pay attention to that more than I do. I just, I don't really care. I just wanted it to shoot good. And I know we've talked about this before. But, um, and you actually put me onto it, but those, uh, that Arizona Fletch system, 
the easy flex, yeah, yeah, the micro easy fletch from Arizona, whatever it's called. Um, that thing has done wonders on that right hand helical, that you know, true three degree. Because I've got some arrows that don't have that from you know, like local archery shop when they used to fletch my arrows with their jigs, it'd have a small helical, but not very much. And um, with our video cameras, we're, we're, we're able to play the footage in slow motion. Um, and I have noticed that with that true right hand three degree, the it's absolutely mind-blowing how much faster that arrow is spinning versus, you know, the old arrows that I shot, which I think in turn is going to be a more accurate arrow and it's going to fly faster. Right. So I, I've been using the, uh, what are they, the boning um, two-inch veins and uh, had really, really good luck with it. I'm talking they're shooting like darts. So Yeah, and you've seen that through the slow motion footage and notice the difference. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, with your naked eye, you really can't tell much. But when you play that video in slow motion right over the shoulder, you can see it. Like, it's it's 100% evident that that arrow is spinning a lot faster than, you know, your regular setup arrows with the, I don't even know what degree helical those would be or whatever. It's basically just a real slight bend. But that, uh, that easy fletch from Arizona, whatever they're called, um, does a really good job. And now I do my own arrows. And uh, the fletchings hold up great and everything, and really been happy with that. So, just a little tip if you guys want to do your own arrows, um, definitely look into one of those because Chris put me on that, and it's been a game changer for sure. It's so easy to fletch your arrows with that, too. I mean, heck, I pretty much just order shafts anymore, and I just fletch my own arrows. You can make sure you do a really good job on it and um, save some money while you're at it, too. Right. Because, I mean, Last thing you want is a fletching to come off or something, and you go into an archery shop. Depending on how good your archery shop is, I don't know. I'm not saying don't give them business, but uh, I've had quite a few instances where, you know, they were busy at the shop or whatever, and they had to rush to get my arrows done. And and uh, next thing you know, I shoot and practice with them, and fletchings are flying off left and right. You know, and you do not want that happening if you're shooting at a live animal. No, I mean, yeah, just then you have to rely. It's just another thing you have to rely on someone else to go do for you, and then you're waiting. And it, yeah, if if you guys don't have one, I highly recommend getting one. It's uh, it's good to have extra fletching and glue and that thing in your uh, archery case, and you know, it saved me a couple times at least. Yeah, for sure. So, what uh, is your game plan for August and September? I mean, do you really have anything, or are you just going to keep uh, soaking your cameras? Or are you going to put out more cameras, or what's your game plan for August and September? Um, well, I actually have to look on the date, but I might still have some nuisance tags left um, still on one farm where uh, we're taking some does off of. And with it being, it's supposed to be in the 70s next week, so if I can get away, I'd love to get out there and do that. Um, at least one night, maybe, uh, see some velvet bucks to, uh, put up a couple cameras. And of course I was at the farm yesterday and today my cell phone, one of my cell cameras has been blown up with the uh, corn stalk blown in front of it. That, <laughs> you know, of course it didn't happen yesterday. It happened today. So I had to suspend that one and have to go back and cut that. 
so it's not triggering all the time. Um, so, yeah, put up a couple more cameras, let them soak, and uh, I'd really like to get out and get some velvet footage if I get the opportunity. But this weather's been crazy. Having a newborn um, makes things a little more difficult, and I just I just haven't had the time uh, to do as much as I've done in the past this summer. For sure. Yeah, what no, about you? Uh, well, August, like I said earlier, is just going to be absolutely wild. Um, I've got to work all my fall plots that I'm going to be putting in. I've already got them sprayed and killed off, so i got to till all those up, um, and then I'll let it soak for a little bit, and I'll come back, hit it again, and plant it that same day when I hit it the second time. Um, and then I'll pack it in real good and everything. So I've got to do all those plots, and then I've got uh, a couple access points I need to clear out pretty good for getting to my uh, actual uh, box blinds or, or tree stands. Some of them are pretty grown up, so I've got to knock some of that back and kill it or kill it off, you know, with some Roundup or whatever. Got to do some of that, and then, um, yeah, so September I, I got that hunt in um, South Dakota, and then I'm going to be focused on getting my scrapes all ready to go. Um, I'm going to knock all that thatch out that I've already sprayed and uh, go cut my white pine branches and get those hung and hopefully start getting some pretty good intel on who's around and maybe get lucky and find an early season buck to go after here. So, got Wait, When are you going to – uh, do your mic scrapes you think I think I'm going to actually set them all up and um, have them actually ready to go probably the end of September um, that is probably when I'm going to do it yeah probably the end of September why, why do you um, why do you wait that long to do that if you're going to try and target target them early on or are you not going to target um, them early on? I'm not targeting the scrapes necessarily early on I'm going to be targeting my green plots for the most part early season uh, my clover or my harvest salad plots I'll be focusing more on those uh, with my trail cameras and hunts um, the scrapes are going to be more of like that uh, I don't even know mid later October probably and uh hopefully getting some bucks hitting them then but the other reason too is because i that when i cut that white pine i want that white pine branch to last as long as possible and uh okay. i feel like those bucks are going to start they're going to start cruising and making those scrapes basically that first week of october you know mm -hmm. so it, it, when i set up these scrapes i'm going to have a trail camera on every one of them for sure um so if one is hitting that in daylight come early season um, I definitely might focus on that, but for the most part, I've got all these scrapes around or close by to my, um, actual plots. Um, sometimes, sometimes I have luck, you know, get an early season buck on it, but most of the time it's not daylight that early in the season for me, at least, unless we catch a, you know, a really good cold front where they're moving of an afternoon and early season, I don't hunt any mornings. I just, I don't, I've done more harm than good when I used to do that back in the day. Um, so that's kind of my game plan, um, for now at least. And who knows, I could change my mind. I mean, it, it's all going to be, I think the biggest key period for any deer season is adapting, adapting to what the deer are doing. Uh, especially when you're hunting an individual buck, um, you really got to focus on, him and what he's doing and where he's at and if you think he's going to daylight and where you think he's going to daylight 
Like, it's just adapting constantly. Um, and, and sometimes I know, I know uh, they're a habit of, cre- uh, they're a creature of habit where, you know, a lot of times they'll do the same thing. Um, and I know Don Higgins talks about this a lot where, you know, they'll do it over and over again. And that that's definitely true in most cases. But I've also noticed that sometimes bucks completely change everything um, when they get older. You know, whether they used to control one domain area, now they control two. Um, so their span got bigger. Or you get a buck like Uno where the deer was traveling seven, eight miles, like, really quickly um on a frequent basis and then you've got some deer that are homebody that are just right there and they're not leaving um and really you don't know until you're actually hunting and paying attention to your trail cameras at the same time so at least that's my experience and that's how i've had success or not had success in the past and i think uh like I said, I rely, rely a lot on those cameras telling me not necessarily what a specific buck in general is doing, but what the deer in general in that area are doing. Um, right. I, I don't know. I mean, you feel the same way or what? I mean, you're not hunting really scrapes early on. You said earlier you're hunting basically the greens, right? Right. But I'm, uh, the spots where I'll be hunting, they will, there will be scrapes close by that they'll use, but I'll probably, I'd like to have them set up by mid-September because um, I, I feel they'll at least start using them around, uh, or you know, in the middle of the night. Or I, I just like to get them used to using them as early as possible. But a lot of, a lot of them are what I call year-round community scrapes where, I mean, they're, you go there any time of the season, the ground still uses bear right there. They still hit it, so... Um, yeah, it's it's kind of different. It's not like uh, I'm making that, uh, you know, what do they call those tree scrapes where you plant a tree in the middle of your food plot and trying right. to get them to come to that. These are more natural ones that they've already used for several years. Yeah, which I haven't had a lot of luck with that. I know some people do that. I just I haven't had much luck with doing those out in the wide open. You know, um, I don't know. I, I've thought about doing one of those tree transplant things and putting one out and seeing if that worked, but um, I have not done that. But everything else I've tried, and if I did have any luck on it, it was nighttime stuff, nothing daylight. But what I've noticed is most of the scrapes that I notice when the deer start making them here is usually that end of the first week of October, um, they start ripping it up all the way, you know, throughout the rest of the season, they start destroying scrapes. But um, really, the end of the first week of October, all the way especially into the beginning of November, they're just, you know, on fire on scrapes. And your rubs, obviously. But um, So, I'm looking forward to it. I, like I said, I'm going going pretty crazy on my scrapes this year, the amount that I'm doing. And uh, I'm going to, you know, do all white pine on all of my scrapes. And I'm going to have to put extra zip ties on them this year because they absolutely demolished all of them last year so <laughs> i swear i some deer damn near swinging from ours they they got all up in there on two legs and yeah they, they will rip them down pretty easy yeah for sure for sure well hey chris we're uh basically right at the hour mark and uh yeah uh congrats on the baby boy weston and uh 
hopefully you can get out there to the to the cabin and get some fresh intel and get some velvet scouting in i know um i'm going to try to get in a little closer on some velvet bucks and find some new ones here shortly i'm, I'm starting to notice a few new bucks here and there so um really looking forward to it uh august is going to be wild and crazy and then september and then boom we're going to be here in deer season october 1st oh yeah it's coming quick hey i gotta ask you something real quick i I was uh, looking at my pile of trail cameras yesterday, the non-cellular ones, mm-hmm. and I just thought to myself, that looks like so much work. <laughs> are, are you going to put out a, a bunch of non-cellular trail cameras this year? Um, I don't know. I've went back and forth. If you remember the last podcast, I talked to Joel, and you know he made that mistake of shooting that one buck. Uh, caught him by surprise. He thought he made the right decision, and then he didn't because he didn't run cameras on that property all year. And I don't want that to happen to me. I don't think it it will, but, you know, I want to have the same amount out as I did last year, but it seems like I keep tapering back a little bit more and more. It's just such a pain in the butt. Um, Batteries or something malfunction goes wrong with one of them or like you just said, that corn stalk gets in front of them, and then you got two thousand freaking pictures. Um, it's just always something. I mean, it's it's very time consuming, and as you are well aware, with kids, it's uh that's a uh, hard to come by is finding more time. So oh yeah, I, yeah, I, but I think I'll put majority of them out. I got I think I only put out you know, um, I shouldn't say only, but compared to some of the guys on the team, they've got fifty plus out. Um, I think I'm at like 30 total. So probably about what I was running. And yeah, yeah it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. The routinely check them. I mean, yep, yep. Drive and check them. I, I like to, and that's the other part too. Is I'm always constantly trying to check them once a week or once every two weeks, and it's just hard finding enough time to do it. I mean, it really is, and. I really don't hunt based on trail camera intel because, I, like I said before, you're already a step behind. Um, but it is nice to know what buck is in the area, you know, and it, you can you can draw a game plan from there. Right. And that, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards is if I have my cell cams in the right spot and I know that buck generally in the area within the time, you know, within a couple of days of when I'm able to hunt, like, that's good enough for me to go off of because um, having, you know, running so many cameras and trying to be there where he was yesterday and all that, it kind of complicates things. And, uh, you know, when you have a family, things, uh, you got to make your time more efficient. And uh, I might be eliminating running all those cameras. And the ones that I do put out that are non cellular, just put them on video. So I have some good cameras to constantly collect uh, video footage. Cause I, I love looking at uh videos you get in the woods yeah for sure for sure all right well yeah i was just uh was just curious looking at that pile i walked out the door yesterday i was like man that's a lot of work i don't know if i want to really mess with it right now yeah no joke well tell sid i said hello and uh like i said congrats again man and i'm sure we'll catch up here again soon all right sounds good all right we'll see see you chris